0: This is the day the Lord has made. And if you're watching this, I hope you can see something of the beauty of the earth. I can see it really clearly here. And I wanted to point that out because of the pain in this world. We are a hurting people and we live in a hurting world. And we're very aware of that at this moment with the violence that Hamas has inflicted upon Israel and now everybody wondering, will Gaza be invaded? How much will things spread? Um, how much pain and suffering will there be? And I've had a number of people ask, with all of that going on, you know, Jesus said, if somebody strikes you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Are governments supposed to do that? Is what Jesus said kind of naive? Was he kind of a well-meaning person with beautiful teachings, but living in the real world, you can't actually live by what he said? These are real important issues. And so I thought this would be a very uh, key time to talk about them. I'm not going to get into geopolitics. I am not a political scientist at all. But there are issues that all of us as followers of Jesus have to wrestle with. So let's talk about them for a few moments. The place to begin is to say, uh, Jesus was very aware there is evil in the world. And it needs to be named. And very often, for some reason, in our more secular culture, it's just hard for people to use that word. And then periodically things happen. So when we see what happened in Israel, babies being beheaded, um, innocent people, elderly people being kidnapped, held as hostages, held uh, to be used by Hamas as human shields. Um, that is barbaric and it's great evil and it needs to be condemned and cried out as such. And then uh, part of what Jesus points out is uh, that evil does not just exist it is in me. Sometimes we'll look at uh, events like that and think, what kind of person could do that? And Jesus's teachings, the teaching of the Bible is, there is none that is righteous. No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. And uh, I've grown up in a certain kind of culture. Other people have grown up in different kinds of culture with different kinds of suffering. And they have been exposed to levels of brutality and violence. Some people in the country in which I live grow up with a lot more violence that I tend to be kind of buffered against. And the reality is I have no idea if I had been raised in that kind of culture, if I had suffered that kind of violence, uh, what I might be capable of. So that level of evil is within me. And then another real important point in the midst of this is there's tremendous complexity with this evil. It gets into systems and powers and principalities that are beyond any one person's ability to control. So part of what is so difficult for us when we look at what's going on in the Middle East right now is there is Israel. And we think of the Holocaust and what the Jews have gone through uh, over the centuries, often at the hands of those of us who call ourselves Christians. And then there are the Palestinians, and so many of them have lost their homes and grow up in great poverty or without much education. And then there's Hamas, a militant group that's involved in such terror. There's the Palestinian Authority on the West Bank. That's a different group that leads that. And then people wonder about the involvement of Hezbollah. That's a militant organization. What if things spread to there? Is Iran involved with all of this? Do they not want for there to be peace with Israel? Is Israel going to sign accords with Saudi Arabia? There are layers and layers and layers upon all this that are um, way, the the complexity of it is beyond most people's ability to understand and anybody's ability to control. And then another important teaching in the midst of this is who has not suffered? And we think about the suffering of the Jewish people and the legacy of the Holocaust, and then the need for justice of uh, the Palestinians and for people to have a home. And, and then we think of the suffering that's gonna be going on right now and the violence that has happened and that will happen, that on all sides will leave people with a greater sense of being aggrieved, a greater sense of um, needing justice. And the need for forgiveness does not go away. And then there's the layer of government. Now, Jesus was keenly aware of the role of government in life. And he quite explicitly rejected the notion of playing the role of government. People tried to make him king, and he fled from that. And he said things like, my kingdom is not of this world. And that you ought to pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but then pay to God what belongs to God. Not everything belongs to Caesar. Paul wrote this uh, in his letter to the church at Rome, as the early Christians were struggling with this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. He talks about the government having the power of the sword. The rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. Now, the teaching here is not saying that governments are always right. Clearly, early Christians themselves sometimes defied the government. We must obey God rather than human beings. But as a general rule, because of the existence of sin and our capacity to hurt each other, God has instituted government to have the power of the sword. That is, to be able to coerce, to be able to put people in prison, to be able to use uh physical means to establish justice. And the idea is that they're to do that to keep people safe, uh, for there to be deterrence so that people will be discouraged from the kind of violence that we have seen, hopefully to rehabilitate people who are wrongdoers. Um, those are those are part of what a government is called to do. Individuals, you and me, are not granted the power of the sword, but governments are. That's part of how God has instituted it. Now, Jesus was also keenly aware of what it is to suffer and to suffer at the hands of an unjust government. And it's important to remember as we look at this situation, um, Jesus' life was not like mine. Jesus was not buffered from the problems of violence. Middle East has been suffering from uh, just a powder keg of violence for a long time and it wasn't Jesus' day. At that time, Israel was oppressed by Rome And it was a very brutal society. You might remember in the book of the Psalms, it talks about blessed be the one who dashes the heads of their little ones. against." That's the society and that's the culture in which people grew up. Uh, I've grown up in a culture that's much different than that one. and And Jesus and his influence is one of the reasons. The idea that every human being ought to be treated with dignity as an image bearer of God, that's been a major shaper of the culture in which I grew up. The culture in which Jesus grew up was a much more violent one. Pompey, you might remember that general in the century before Jesus lived, when Rome was oppressing Israel in order to um, get everybody to knuckle under to Roman power. There was a slave revolt led by Spartacus, if that name rings a bell. And Pompey crucified 6,000 Israelis, 6,000 Jewish people crucified them on a long march. Every two miles they would stop crucify another one, and then leave their bodies up there to be um, eaten by birds so that everybody could see those bodies. That was a horrific thing to a Jewish person um, being desecrated. Now, in the midst of that violence and oppression, there were a number of responses. Real quickly, um, there were some people who were committed to violently overthrowing it. And they were the zealots. They were called the zealots. Sometimes called the Sicarii. That was the word for daggerman. People sometimes wonder with Judas Iscariot, was he one of those people? And we don't know. We do know that one of the disciples was Simon the zealot. And then there were other people who whose response to Rome was, we just want to withdraw from them. The, the Essenes, quite famously, were in that category. Pharisees, something like that. We'll just go off and do our own thing, have nothing to do with them. And then there were other people that basically got co-opted by them that colluded together with them. The tax collectors were this way, the Sadducees, people who ran the temple for the most part, were pretty much colluding together with the Romans to profit from them. And then there's Jesus and people could not figure out what category you put him in. His response was, "Nope, we're not going to I'm not going to kill him, not going to try to knife him, and I'm not going to withdraw from him, I'm not going to run away and hide from them." And I'm not going to collude with them. I'm going to love them. And I'm going to love all of these people. And that is what he does. He has uh, Simon the Zealot become one of his followers. And he has Matthew the tax collector, who's colluding with the Romans, become one of his followers. And uh, people who are Pharisees. He, he loves each one of them. Now, the foundation of his teaching is that... Um, The most important dimension of reality is the existence of love. The most important uh, priority of ethics is the priority of love. And we are to pursue that above all. To love someone is to will their good. And we are always to do that. Evil is to will the bad for someone. And... Jesus says, God is so good, God is love, so that no matter what evil thing a person does, God does not cease to be loving. God never wills the bad, and we are to be that way. So when he talks about turning the other cheek, that's an illustration of what people who love can do. Man, I don't know if you can hear the dogs. The dogs are out this morning, so i got to wrap this up. Um... Jesus' response was not to try to seize power. It was to go to the cross. And the cross is the ultimate expression of the power of forgiveness. Do not pay back evil by evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, how we try to apply that politically, how people who have governmental power, the power of the sword do, is work. I'll talk about that a little bit more next time. It's not always easy, clear, or simple. But understand, Jesus was not being naive. The power of forgiveness, the power to love, is a power in life that is infinitely greater than the power of the sword. Coercive power. Ask yourself today, who wields greater influence over the human race, and the the vision of human imagination, Caesar Augustus or Jesus, the man of the cross. And it's the man of the cross. The hope of our world does not lie in politics or military strength. We want to pray for what's happening in the Middle East. Nancy and I are giving to the Red Cross right now just to try to help there to be relief from suffering in that part of the world. You can ask God, God, what do you want me to do to try to be helpful here? But the ultimate hope remains the man on the cross and to love and to forgive. Those are not naive. That is the power that alone can redeem the human race. And we get to be a part of that this day, this day, this day. Forgive us our debts.
1: Thanks for joining us at become new. We want to grow spiritually one day at a time, but it's tough to do that alone. So we're offering a little more support for anyone who would like to work on putting the content into practice. You can sign up to receive a text at the end of each week in this series, asking if you completed the here's how portion for that week. If you want, you can reply to the text and let us know how it went, or if you need prayer in taking those action steps. To sign up for the end-of-week reminder, just text the word MORE to 855-888-0444, and we'll put you on the list. As always, to receive the emails or video links by text, you can let us know at become slash subscribe. If you're already signed up for the emails but aren't getting them, try checking your spam folder, or better yet, you can add us to your contact list. Our email address is connect at become If you need prayer, we're here for you. Text your specific prayer request to 855-888-0444. There's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray specifically over every person who sends a text in. We'll catch you next time.